Hey guys, Pastor Jordan here. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. And I want to say a special thanks to everyone who has given to the legacy offering so far this year. We've been blown away by the generosity of our church. Just a reminder that you can give to the legacy offering all the way through December 31st for your year end giving. You can give online at harbor.church slash give or text an amount and the word legacy to 844-467-1311. Thank you so much for your generosity and thanks for listening. When I was a teenager, I was terrified of flying, uh, but I still traveled a lot with my family. And I was fascinated with all things Hollywood. I wanted to be a filmmaker. And so I love just the idea of Los Angeles and Hollywood and where they make movies. And so for my 13th birthday, my uncle decided to take me to Hollywood and do all of the touristy things. We went and we did the Hollywood sign, we did the NBC tour, we did Universal, we did everything you can think of. But before we got there, there was a long flight that we had to get on. And my uncle lived in New York, and so I had to fly from Atlanta to New York by myself. And then we boarded the long flight from New York across the country to Los Angeles together. And and we were flying about midway through the flight And I didn't like flying at all. I was in a center seat in the center of the plane, which is like the worst place to be. And I was sitting there and all of a sudden I started smelling something that smelled like something was on fire. And if you're at like 40,000 feet, you do not want to smell the smell of something that smells like it's on fire. And so I started to just think, this is just my imagination. This is just my overactive imagination. I hate to fly. I'm just overthinking this. But slowly but surely, you could see it ripple throughout the plane that other people were noticing, and nobody wanted to be the first one to panic. And we're all sitting there. We're all smelling the same smell. And I do what you do as a kid. And I just was watching my uncle because he was like the responsible adult. And I'm like, as long as he's not panicking, there's no reason for me to panic. I'm fine. I'm good. As long as he's not panicking, I'm good. But after a minute or so, I started started to see him start to look down the aisles and look behind him and kind of frantically look around. And he was being the good adult in the moment that didn't want to frighten the child that was with him. But it was very clear that he was smelling what I was smelling, that, that something was wrong and it started to ripple through the plane. You started to hear people asking, do you, do you smell that? Is something wrong? Is something wrong? And so much time went by before it was even acknowledged that people actually started to kind of panic and there started to be like this murmur throughout the plane. And if you've ever been on a plane where it feels like something is wrong, it's one of the worst feelings in the world because everybody knows that there's absolutely nothing that any of us can do. And so people start to get on edge really quickly. And that that was kind of the feeling of the flight. We were all kind of feeling on edge. We were all kind of looking around. And then finally, the pilot came over the announcement system and he said, ladies and gentlemen, you probably smell something in the aircraft. And I just want you to know that someone left a plastic cup on a coffee burner and everything is fine. The plane is fine. There's no mechanical issue, but it's going to take a while for the smell to circulate out of the plane. And my uncle turned to me in that moment. He said, did you hear that? We're fine. Did you hear that? We're fine. And those moments from when we were smelling that smell where we thought, man, is this plane on fire? Are our lives in danger? Are we in an emergency situation? From that moment to when that announcement was made felt like an eternity. Because when you don't know what's going on in a moment, it tends to feel like time just stands still. And what we sometimes forget about the Christmas story is that there had been prophecies for 400 years that a Messiah would one day come. 
but nobody quite knew when it was going to happen. Everybody was waiting on an announcement. Have you ever been in a season of life where you're just waiting on an announcement? You're just waiting on someone to give you the news that you're waiting for? Maybe you're, you're waiting on doctor's results. Maybe your family member is in the operating room. Maybe you're waiting to hear back if you received a job, waiting on a transition. There's nothing worse than that season of waiting, that season where you have no idea how long it's going to be before you hear the words you need to hear. And, and the Hebrew children, the children of God, they had waited for 400 years for a Messiah with nothing, no announcement. We live in kind of an announcement culture now because everybody has social media and so everybody thinks that they need to announce everything that's going on in their life. Everybody thinks they need to announce what they ate, where they're going. How many times have you been scrolling through your social media and you've seen some family picture, and by the way, I've done this, so I'm not judging, but you've seen some family picture, all caps, life update. And then they go on to tell you their life update. And sometimes it's interesting, but I got to be honest, nine times out of 10, I'm like, I don't care. I, I don't care about your life update. It doesn't affect me at all. That's great for you, but I just don't care. We've gotten into this culture where we think everything is worthy of an announcement. But if anything was worthy of an announcement, it was the announcement of Jesus' birth. Because there was an entire nation of people that were anxiously awaiting his coming. There was an entire nation of people who had lived their entire lives hearing the stories that one day a child would be born that would save our people. One day a child would be born that would deliver us from the condition that we are in. And they waited and they waited as generation after generation passed. And I wonder after 400 years, if the current generation really even still believed or if they began to think that perhaps this is just old wives tales, perhaps this is just something that our parents or our grandparents believe, but it is not for us today. It's, it's a sentiment that many of us in this room have probably felt at some time. Is this faith my own, or is it just something that has been passed down that I've heard year after year after year, but I've never really taken hold of? But if any announcement was worth the fanfare, it was this moment where Jesus' birth was announced. And yet, there's only one account of an announcement of Jesus' birth in Scripture. There's only one moment where Jesus' birth is actually announced, and it's in the book of Luke, chapter 2. Beginning in verse 8, we're just told that the baby is born in a manger because there was no room for him in the inn. And beginning in verse 8, it says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flock at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace to men who, has, who his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. 
The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Have you ever noticed that the biggest announcements generally interrupt the ordinary in our lives? Like, Before there was Twitter, before there was Facebook, before there was 24-hour news, there was breaking news. Like, do you ever remember when you were growing up and you're watching, like, your favorite show? It only comes on once a week. There is no DVR. There is no other way to see it. If you miss it, you miss it. And you're in the middle of the show, and all of a sudden, the news breaks in with a breaking news item. And as a kid, you couldn't care less about what's going on in the world. You just want to know how Saved by the Bell ends. You just want to know, are Zach and Kelly ever going to get together? But they would break up the, what you were trying to watch in the ordinary, and they would say, we, we interrupt this regularly scheduled program for this special announcement. This is the moment that happens with these shepherds. They're living their ordinary lives in the fields, doing what they do every single day, and God breaks into their ordinary lives. And God still breaks into our ordinary lives each and every day if we notice it. See, what, what astounds me about this story is that you would think that this announcement would be made to the most important people of the day. But when you read the story, like sometimes we focus on the fanfare, like, oh, an angelic heavenly host appeared. But if you read this story, one angel announces the birth of Jesus to a group of shepherds, and then angels join in rejoicing. But it was just one angel that came to a group of lowly shepherds. Now, shepherds in that day were not regarded as high culture people. Shepherds of that day would have been the lowest cultural class that would have been of that day. They, they weren't even allowed to enter into the city because of the kind of work that they did. They weren't even allowed to come into the city because they were always dirty, always covered in the dirt and the grime of tending sheep. They were social outcasts because they were often wandering. They went from place to place trying to find a field to, to, to pasture their sheep. So they were social outcasts who were never really able to put down roots. They were religious outcasts because sheep were used to, to make sacrifices at the temple. And so people would come to them to buy sheep to sacrifice at the temple, but they were not allowed to enter into the temple because while everyone else went into the temple, someone had to watch the sheep. Someone had to stay in the pastures. And maybe you're here tonight and you feel like, man, I am a social outcast. I am a religious outcast. I don't really feel worthy of coming into the story of Jesus. But the announcement of Jesus' birth reminds us of a few things that I want us to remember tonight. And the first is that the announcement of Jesus' birth, the announcement of the good news is for everyone. It's for everyone. That when those angels came and when they made this announcement to these shepherds, it was a sign that they were saying, we are coming to you because this message is for everyone. Bethlehem was just under six miles from Jerusalem, the capital city. It would have been very easy for the angel to appear to the Roman governor. It would have been very easy for him to appear to the king or to the high priest. And yet they appeared to the shepherds in their fields, living their ordinary lives who you make an announcement to is significant. Have you ever had a big announcement? Like one of the first things that you do when you have a big announcement is you figure out the hierarchy of who you have to tell and when. 
Like when it's, when it's time to announce a big life change, when it's time to let people know that you are expecting a child or moving to a new city or changing jobs, there is a, a hierarchy of people that you have to tell, that you want them to hear it from you. A few years back, we had been living in Lakeland, Florida for about 10 years, and we, were, we had made the decision to move here to Sarasota to plant this church, to plant Harbor Church. And we had told our kids, because we wanted to bring them in on the process, but we hadn't really told people yet that we had been moving. A few key leaders in our lives knew, our parents knew, and we sat our kids down and we said, listen, we're trusting you with this information, but you can't tell anybody yet. And our daughter, Sophia, was eight at the time, and and she seemed to really get it. She seemed to really understand that we were not telling people that we were moving. And then one week, we picked her up from church, and her Sunday school teacher said, um, today in class, Sophia raised her hand for prayer requests, and when I asked her what her prayer request was, she just said, I cannot tell you, but it has to do with my parents, and you will all know very soon. And as a pastor at a church, that is not the kind of prayer request that you want your daughter conveying to the entire class. That is not the kind of thing that doesn't cast suspicion on your entire life. And who you tell is significant. You, you want people to hear it from you first. And in this moment, what God was saying is to the lowest class of people, I want you to hear it from me first. A Savior has come. And it's good news for everyone. It's good news for everyone. The second thing I want us to realize about this story is that not only is the message for everyone, but the message requires movement. The message requires movement on our part. In verse 15 of the story we just read, it says, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Let's go and see. If you want to be at the center of what God is doing, it often requires you to move. It often requires you to take a step. It often requires you to actually move from where you are. They could not stay in the fields if they wanted to see the miracle that was waiting for them. They had to take a step towards the work that they, that God was doing. And it always requires a step. It always requires a change in direction. I love Christmas lights. If you've been around long enough, I'm not going to tell the whole story, but you know that one year I risked my life for the Christmas lights on our house, fell off our roof, and broke six ribs. I'll leave it at that. But when we moved into our new house, our, our neighbor across the street, like nobody does Christmas lights like Joe does Christmas lights. This man goes crazy. He starts in early November wrapping every tree, every bush, every shrub, every square inch of his house is covered in lights. And, and you can see his house from the entrance of our neighborhood that kind of runs off of a main road. And if you're outside night after night after night, you can see as cars go by and they slow down and they often pull into our neighborhood and then slowly drive by Joe's house. There's something sometimes about Christmas lights that causes us to be drawn, to change our direction direction, to move towards them. I think in this Christmas season, God is calling us to a change of direction, that in order to see what God is doing, we often have to slow down and change our direction. We often have to slow down and move towards what he's doing. That is actually the story of repentance. See, often a word like repentance gets a bad rap, but the truth is that it simply means to change direction, 
that you are going one way that is not working for you and God is calling you to another direction. God is calling you to turn your life and take a step towards him. One of my favorite stories in scripture is the story of Jesus walking on water. Because it says that Jesus is walking on water and the disciples see him in the boat and one disciple, Peter, calls out to him and says, Lord, if that's you on the water, call me to come to you. If that's you on the water, call me to come to you. And if you know the story, you know that Peter takes a few steps on the water and he gets overwhelmed by the wind and the waves and he gets distracted and Peter begins to sink. And we always remember this part about Peter sinking, but we often fail to realize that Peter is the only human mentioned in scripture that even for a moment walked on water. Peter is the only disciple who actually did something that Jesus did where he stepped out and he walked on water in that moment. See, what I think is interesting about Peter is that for Peter, the evidence that God was real was God calling him to do something that he could not do without him. See, so often the evidence of God in our lives is judged by what God is doing in our lives. But the truth is, in this moment, Peter doesn't say, Jesus, if that's you, continue to walk on water. He says, Jesus, if that's you, call me to do something that I could not do unless you were present with me. Call me to take a step that I could not take without your presence in my life. Call me to take a step that I could not take if I was not empowered by you. And this is what God is calling each and every one of us to do, to take a step in our lives that we could not take if it weren't for the steps that he was already taking towards us. That is the Christmas story, that we can change our direction, that we can move towards the story of Jesus because he already moved towards us. See, the, the message of Jesus requires movement. It requires that we take a step. The third thing that I realize about these shepherds is that the message became their mission. When you look in verse 17, it says, When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. They they had to share what they saw. It began with them hearing the announcement. And then it began with them seeing the miracle. But then they had to share what they saw. They had to tell everyone what they saw. And I think for those of us that are followers of Jesus we, we cannot underestimate the opportunity in this season to point people to Jesus, to point people to what we've seen, to point people to what we've heard, to point people to the work that he has done in our lives. We have to let the mission of Jesus become our mission. The story of Jesus become our mission. I think it's interesting in this story that when the angel makes the announcement, In verse 11, it says, Today, a Savior has been born to you. A Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. See, their whole lives, the shepherds had been told that a Savior would be born, that a Savior will come, that someday it will happen. And finally, the announcement comes. And the announcement is not, a savior is coming. The announcement is not a savior will be born. The announcement is a savior has been born. The work of Jesus had already been done. And that's what many of you need to hear in this room tonight is that a savior has been born. 
He, he's not waiting on you to do anything in order to earn your salvation. All you have to do is receive it. It's already been born. A savior has already entered into your life. All you have to do is receive the work that he has done. Maybe like those shepherds, you've waited your whole life to be rescued from the life that you're living. Maybe you've lived your whole life wondering if this is it, if this is the extent of the life that you have to live. And can I just tell you, if you're not walking with Jesus Christ, a savior has been born to you. The saving work of God has already been done in your life. All you have to do is receive it. All you have to do is acknowledge that, that you need to make that change of direction, walking towards, stepping towards the life that God has for you because the good news is still that a savior has been born. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me all across this room tonight? 